Four Hymns by Edmund Spencer, Part 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Four Hymns Made by Edmund Spencer, read by Thomas Hopkin. To the right honourable and most virtuous ladies, the Lady Margaret, Countess of Cumberland, and the Lady Marie, Countess of Warwick. Note. The Countess of Warwick's name was Anne, not Mary. Odd. Return to text. Having in the greener times of my youth composed these former two hymns in the praise of love and beauty, and finding that the same too much pleased those of like age and disposition, which, being too vehemently carried with that kind of affection, do rather suck out poison to their strong passion than honey to their honest delight, I was moved by the one of you two most excellent ladies to call in the same but being unable so to do by reason that many copies thereof were formerly scattered abroad i resolved at least to amend and by way of retraction to reform them making instead of those two hymns of earthly or natural love and beauty two others of heavenly and celestial the which i do dedicate jointly unto you two honourable sisters as to the most excellent and rare ornaments of all true love and beauty, both in the one and the other kind, humbly beseeching you to vouchsafe the patronage of them, and to accept this my humble service in view of the great graces and honourable favours which ye daily show unto me, until such time as I may, by better means, yield you some more notable testimony of my thankful mind and dutiful devotion. And even so, I pray for your happiness. Greenwich, this first of September, fifteen ninety six. Your honours most bounden ever in all humble service, Edmund Spencer. In him, in honour of love, love that long since hast to thy mighty power perforce subdued my poor captive heart, and raging now therein with restless stour dost tyrannize in every weaker part. Fain would I seek to ease my bitter smart by any service I might do to thee, or aught that else might to be pleasing thee. And now, to swage the force of this new flame, and make thee more propitious in my need, I mean to sing the praises of thy name, and thy victorious conquests to a reed, by which thou madest many hearts to bleed of mighty victors, with wide wounds and bruise and by thy cruel darts to thee subdued. Only I fear my wits, enfeebled late through the sharp sorrows which thou hast been bred, should faint, and words should fail me to relate the wondrous triumphs of thy great Godhead. But if thou wouldst start safe to overspread me with the shadow of thy gentle wing, I should enable thee thy acts to sing. Come then, O come, thou mighty God of love, out of thy silver bowers and secret bliss, where thou dost sit in Venus' lap above, bathing thy wings in her ambrosial kiss, that sweeter far than any nectar is, come softly, and my feeble breast inspire with gentle fury, kindled of thy fire. And ye, sweet muses, which have often proved the piercing points of his avengeful darts, and ye, fair nymphs, which oftentimes have loved the cruel worker of your kindly smarts. Prepare yourselves, 
and opened wide your hearts for to receive the triumph of your glory, but made you merry off when you were sorry. And ye, fair blossoms of youth's wanton greed, which in the conquests of your beauty boast, wherewith your lovers' feeble eyes you feed, but starve their hearts that needeth nurture most, prepare yourselves to march amongst his host, and all the way this sacred hymn do sing, made in the honour of your sovereign king. Great God of might, that reignest in the mind, and all the body to thy hestest frame, victor of gods, subduer of mankind, that dost the lions and fell tigers tame, making their cruel rage thy scornful game, and in their roaring taking great delight, who can express the glory of thy might? Or who alive can perfectly declare the wondrous cradle of thine infancy, when thy great mother Venus first thee bare, begot of plenty and of penury, though elder than thine own nativity, and yet a child renewing still thy years, and yet the eldest of the heavenly peers? For ere this world's still moving mighty mass of the great chaos ugly prison crept, in which his goodly face long hidden was from heaven's view, and in deep darkness kept, love, that had now long time securely slept in Venus' lap, unarmed then and naked, gan rear his head by Clotho being wakened, and, taking to him wings of his own heat, kindled first from heaven's life-giving fire, began to move out of his idle seat, weakly at first, but after with desire lifted aloft, began to mount up higher, and, like fresh eagle, made his hardy flight through all that great wide waste, yet wanting light. Yet wanting light to guide his wandering way, his own fair mother, for all creatures' sake, did lend him light from her own goodly ray. Then, through the world, his way he began to take, the world that was not till he did make, whose sundry parts he from themselves did sever, the which before had lying confused ever. The earth, the air, the water, and the fire then gan to range themselves in huge array, and with contrary forces to conspire each against other by all means they may, threatening their own confusion and decay. Air hated earth, and water hated fire, till love relented their rebellious ire. He then them choked, and, tempering goodly well their contrary dislikes with loved means, did place them all in order, and compel to keep themselves within their sundry reins, together linked with adamantine chains, yet so as that in every living wight they mix themselves and show their kind might. So ever since they firmly have remained, and duly well observed this behest through which now all these things that are contained within this goodly cope, both most and least, their being have, and daily are increased through secret spots of his infused fire, which in the barren coal he doth inspire. Thereby they all do live, and move it are to multiply the likeness of their kind, whilst they seek only without further care to quench the flame which they in burning find. But man, that breathes a more immortal mind, not for lust's sake, but for eternity, 
seeks to enlarge his lasting progeny for having yet in his deducted sprite some sparks remaining of that heaven fire he is illumined with that goodly light and to like goodly semblance to aspire therefore in choice of love he doth desire that seems on earth most heavenly to embrace that same is beauty born of heaven race the sure of all that in this mortal frame contained is not more divine but seem or that resembleth more the mortal flame of heavenly light than beauty's glorious beam what wonder then if with such rage extreme frail men whose eyes seek heavenly things to see at sight thereof so much enravished be which well perceiving that imperious boy doth therewith tip his sharp and poisoned darts which glancing through the eyes with countenance coy rest not till they have pierced the trembling hearts and kindled flame in all their inner parts which sucks the blood and drinketh up the life of careful wretches with consuming grief thenceforth they plain and make full piteous moan unto the author of their baleful bane the days they waste the nights they grieve and groan their lives they loathe and heaven's light disdain no light but that whose lamp doth yet remain fresh burning in the image of their eye they did perceive and seeing it still die the whilst thou tyrant love dost laugh and scorn at their complaints making their pain thy play whilst they lie languishing like thralls forlorn the whilst thou dost triumph in their decay and otherwise they're dying to delay thou dost in marvel the proud heart of her whose love before their life they do prefer so hast thou often done and me the more to me thy vassal whose yet bleeding heart with thousand wounds thou mangled hast so sore that whole remains scarce any little part yet to augment the anguish of my smart thou hast enfrozen her disdainful breast that no one drop of pity there doth rest why then do i dishonour unto thee thus to ennoble thy victorious name as if thou dost show no favour unto me no once move ruth in that rebellious dame somewhat to slack the rigour of my flame certes small glory dost thou win hereby to let her live thus free and thee to die ah if thou be indeed as men thee call the world's great parent the most kind preserver of living whites the sovereign lord of all how falls it then that with thy furious fervour thou dost afflict as well the not deserver as him that doth thy lovely pests despise and on thy subjects most doth tyrannize yet here in it thy glory seemeth more by so hard handling those which best be served that ere thou dost them unto grace restore thou mayst well try if they will ever swerve and mayst them make it better to deserve and having got it may it more esteem for things hard gotten men more dearly deem so hard those heavenly beauties be fired as things divine least passions do impress the more of steadfast minds to be admired the more they stay at thee on steadfastness but base-born minds such lamps regard the less which at first blowing take not hasty fire such fancies feel no love but loose desire 
for lo this lord of truth and loyalty lifting himself out of the lowly dust on golden plumes up to the purest sky above the reach of loathless sinful lust whose base affect through cowardly distrust of his weak wings dare not to heaven fly but like a mould-work in the earth doth lie his dunghill thoughts which do themselves inure to dirty dross no higher dare aspire again his feeble earthly eyes endure the flaming light of that celestial fire which kindleth love in generous desire and makes him mount above the native might of heavy earth up to the heaven's height such is the power of that sweet passion that in all sordid baseness doth expel and the refined mind doth newly fashion unto a fairer form which now doth dwell in his high thought that would itself excel which he beholding still with constant sight admires the mirror of so heavenly light whose image printing in his deepest wit he thereon feeds his hungry fantasy still full yet never satisfied with it like santa that in store doth starve at law so doth he pine in most satiety for naught may quench his infinite desire once kindled through that first conceived fire thereon his mind affixed wholly is to thinks on aught but how it to attain his care his joy his hope is all on this that seems in it all blisses to contain in sight whereof all other bliss seems vain thrice happy man might he the same possess he thinks himself and doth his fortune less and though he do not win his wish to end yet thus far happy he himself doth mean that heaven such happy grace did to him lend as thing on earth so heaven to exceed his heart's enshrined saint his heaven's queen fairer than fairest in his feigning eye whose sole aspect he counts felicity then forth he casts in his unquiet thought what he may do or favour to obtain or grave exploit peril hardly wrought what puissant conquest what adventurous pain may please the best and grace unto him gain he dreads no danger nor misfortune fears his faith his fortune in his breast he bears thou art his god thou art his mighty guide thou being blind lettest him not see his fears but carriest him to that which he had eyed through seas through flames through thousand swords and spears may aught so strong that may his forth withstand with which thou armest his resistless hand witness leander in the euxine waves and stout aeneas in the trojan fire achilles pressing through the phrygian glaives and orpheus daring to provoke the ire of damned fiends to get his love retire for both through heaven and hell thou makest way to win them worship which to thee obey and if by all these perils and these pains he may but purchase liking in her eye what heavens of joy then do himself he feigns as soon he wipes quite out of memory whatever ill before he did abide had it been death yet would he die again to live thus happy as a grace to gain yet when he hath found favour to his will he now the more and so contented rest but force of further on 
and striveth still to approach more near till in her inmost breast he may embosom thee and love it best and yet not best but to be loved alone for love cannot endure a paragraph the fear whereof oh how it doth torment his troubled mind with more than hellish pain and to his feigning fancy represents sights never seen and thousand shadows vain to break his sleep and waste his idle brain thou that hast never loved canst not believe least parts of evils which poor lovers breathe the gnawing envy the heart-fretting fear the vain surmises the distrustful shows the false reports that flying tales do bear the doubts the dangers the delays the woes the feigned friends the unassured foes with thousands more than any tongue can tell do make a lover's life a wretch's hell yet is there one more cursed than they all that cankerworm that monster jealousy which eats the heart and feeds upon the gall turning all love's delight to misery through fear of losing his felicity ah gods that ever ye that monster placed in gentle love that all his joys defaced by thee so love thou dost thy entrance make unto thy heaven and dost the more endear thy pleasures unto those which then partake as after storms when clouds begin to clear the sun more bright and glorious doth appear so thou thy folk through pains of purgatory dost bear unto thy bliss and heaven's glory there thou then placest in a paradise of all delight and joyous happy rest where they do feed on nectar heavenly wise with hercules and hebe and the rest of venus darlings who her bounty blessed and lie like gods in ivory beds arrayed with rose and lilies over them displayed there with thy daughter pleasure they do play their hurtless sports without the youthful blame and in her snowy bosom boldly lay their quiet heads devoid of guilty shame after full joyance of their gentle game then her they crown their goddess and their queen and deck with flowers thy altars well beseen i mean dear lord that ever i might hope for all the pains and woes that i endure to come at length unto the wished scope of my desire or might myself assure that happy port for ever to the cure then would i think these pains no pains at all and all my woes to be but penance small then would i sing of thine immortal praise and heavenly hymn such as the angels sing and thy triumphant name then would i raise above all the gods thee only honouring my guide my god my victor and my king till then dread lord vouchsafe to take of me this simple song thus framed in praise of thee end of part one of four hymns by edwin spencer recording by thomas copeland